Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. So this past week, we got to have spring break with our kids, and uh, we're driving to Phoenix and got to spend some time with my family out there. And uh, one of our only objectives when you're in the desert is just to be by the pool. And specifically this season, uh, we are teaching our youngest how to swim. And so the last few weeks, we've we've just kind of been like, okay, like this is the summer. We're going to teach him how to swim. Um, and so we've been trying to incentivize him in all these different ways just to get him to do this. And so we're sitting in the pool in Arizona, and I'm having this conversation with my son, Augustine. And I'm like, hey, let's, let's try again, you know, like, let's try and go into the water and kick. And he's made some amazing strides. And it's in his four-year-old mind just decides to give up. And he's just, and um, he's like, ah, I don't want to. I'm like, come on, like, let's, let's keep trying. <laughs> and he's, he looks at me, he's like, he's like, Dad, I love me just the way I am. And I was just taken back by this, that in my desire to get him to swim, he just steps back, he's like, I am fine, just as I am. And, um, and Jen and I were laughing about that moment as we were putting the kids to bed that night. And I was, I was thinking about how often we can fall into that same trap, is that we can become so comfortable with who we are that change kind of stops being an option. Um, and whether it's because we're fine with who we are or, or whether we've actually lost faith in who we are. Uh, so oftentimes, especially as we get older, and I've experienced as I've gotten older, change becomes harder and slower, and we become more um, cemented into who we are, for better or for worse. But one thing is when we look at the resurrection of Jesus, which we preached about last week for Easter, we see that people of all ages, in all different life stages, changed. And the resurrection has a unique power to change us. And so my encouragement as I was just praying for this Sunday is, is our response to the resurrection matters. Um, last week I, I, I mentioned that the resurrection changes everything, but that everything includes us. And so the question we're going to be diving into today, and I would love for us just to pray through this week, is how do we change, specifically in response to the resurrection? How does the resurrection change us? Because when you look at the disciples, when you look at the followers of Jesus, something happened from the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to the day of Pentecost, that the resurrection shifted the, his followers, that these people who would cower in their unbelief, were now courageous in their faith. Uh, that people felt that were shrinking back into their old selves, now stood firm in their new identity in Christ. And so I want us to read one story that I think gives us a clue to how this change happened, specifically in the life of Peter. 
Uh, now Peter and John were on their way up to the temple. This is, again, just days after the resurrection. They see someone who's paralyzed and they approach him and have this miraculous encounter. He's now walking and so obviously people are all around the temple are amazed and more people start coming to faith in Christ because of their message. And the religious rulers are, are furious. So they put him in jail overnight. And the next morning, uh, they begin to start putting them on trial for what, they're, what they've been teaching about. This Jesus was not only crucified, but was raised. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the, the cornerstone. He's quoting Psalm 118 right there. So salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized, listen to this, that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, the miracle preceding this is shocking, but I think the more shocking thing is because we see, we see the disciples do the miraculous. What we see here that's completely unique is Peter's boldness in front of the same council that he denied Jesus in front of just a few days earlier. And there's something about the resurrection that emboldened him. It changed him and would continue to change him throughout his whole life, all the way till he's writing his pastoral letters to the churches that he oversees. Peter's different because of the resurrection. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how are we different? How do we change because of this good news that Jesus is alive? Well, three things to consider. Number one, why the resurrection can change us is because our core beliefs shape our core behaviors. So what we believe changes what we do. And our core behaviors shape our core habits. So those behaviors become rhythms. They become patterns in our life that become habits. And those habits shape us. But it's cyclical because those habits reinforce our beliefs. So our beliefs shape our behaviors. Our behaviors turn into habits and our habits reinforce our beliefs, which is why as we get older, that cycle begins to cement us into who we are. It cements our identity. Whereas we're young, we learn new beliefs, we learn new behaviors, and those habits are still being developed. But as we get older, those neurological pathways begin to set in as those habits become a part of who we are. But this, this event, the resurrection, disrupts that. And it provides a new belief system that this world is not all that there is, that our God is alive, that we have been raised with Christ, and that new revelation now shapes our behaviors. We can live differently because of that. And the hope is that as followers of Jesus, that those behaviors would become habits and practices. They would form us and that that would begin to start reinforcing our belief system. 
of Jesus is who he said he is, which means we are who he says that we are. And in, in the same way, I mean, think about, think about me, me preaching. Uh, me preaching comes from a belief system that I have, not only about theology, but about God, but about myself, that God has designed me to communicate something. And so I behave a certain way. I study and I teach and I preach. But I've been doing that so long that those behaviors have become habits. And those habits have reinforced what? My belief that I teach and I'm a preacher. And so this is true of all of us. How we, how we believe who we are, how we end up the way that we are. And so today specifically, I wanted just to focus on how the resurrection speaks to each one of those cycles. Number one, our belief in the resurrection changes us. Number two, our behavior as resurrected people change us. And number three, our habits shaped by the resurrection changes us. So number one, our belief in the resurrection should change us. Why? Well, because the, the great human fear of mortality, of death, that's, that's framed by, oh, we only have this short window of time, changes. Our, gro- our great motivation is now framed by life, not by death. You notice that when Paul is, is standing there courageously, risking his life, because he's now seen the resurrected Christ, he quotes from Psalm 118. Now, if you were to go back um, and you, and again, if you were a Jewish audience, a Jewish ruler specifically, you knew not just the verse that Peter is quoting, you knew all of Psalm 18. And I just wanted to point out some of the verses that come, that show up in Psalm 118. Um, Verse six says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Verse 17 says, I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. I love that Peter chose to quote Psalm 118 because it's filled with the resurrection reality. He's no longer framing his life in fear of death like we saw when he denied Jesus. He's now framing his life motivated by the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. And that that changes everything. Because belief in the resurrection moves us from, here it is, self-preservation to divine glorification. You see, without the resurrection, the greatest goal of human existence is self-preservation. We are trying to preserve self. But if the resurrection is true, what we talked about last week is that it, it is very true. Then we're no longer motivated by self-preservation, but rather divine glorification. Our lives can be lived without fear of death. Our lives can be fully alive to glorify God. And so you might be like, well, does that mean I have to be like Peter and I, or, or, or a Paul who sees the resurrected Christ and becomes a missionary? Am I supposed to be a pastor, a preacher, a missionary? And, And what we find if you keep reading the book of Acts and you read in the New Testament is yes, there are pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists. And there there are those unique offices and roles in the church. But more often than not, there are um, moms and dads. There's business people. There are people that work in the market. There's educators. There's people in their unique lanes of life 
that have experienced a shift because of the resurrected Christ. I want to give you one example. Later on in the book of Acts, in chapter 16, we're introduced to a character named Lydia. Lydia was a successful businesswoman in that day. Uh, she had a, a business, most likely multiple employees that worked for her, that sold purple garments. And she was on a faith journey. She was exploring the Jewish religion, says she was a believer in God, meaning she wasn't Jewish, but was interested in their faith, started their practices, and then hears about Jesus Christ and this very motivated, driven, successful woman all of a sudden is now living her life with her unique gifts and passions, no longer through the lens of self-preservation, but through divine glorification. Listen to this. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we were expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This ends up being the house that the church in Philippi is founded in. That there's something that happens. Who This lady who is already gifted and successful um, by terms in the ancient world, all of a sudden has this revelation of who Jesus is. And she begins to welcome in, not, not just business, but welcome in the kingdom of God in her house that was built through her business, showing hospitality to be a kingdom outpost that would end up being one of the greatest churches in the ancient world. And I think that's all of us. When we realize Jesus is alive, we become alive. When we realize that Jesus is no longer restrained by death, we're not constrained by death. We don't have to live in fear. We can live absolutely alive to the faith that Jesus has given us. Number two, is our beliefs shape our behavior and our behavior as resurrected people starts to change us. Notice what Paul says in his letters to the Colossians. He says, since therefore you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And then he finishes that section, verse 17, saying, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Um, I love this because as Paul is writing this letter, his thing, hey, not only did the resurrection happen, we now have been raised with Christ, which means that everything we do, our behavior should be done unto the Lord. In Dallas Willard's book, The Renovation of the Heart, he says the aim of spiritual formation is not, is not behavior modification, but the transformation of all those aspects of you and me where behavior comes from. This is what the resurrection does. It changes where our behavior comes from. While we were in Phoenix this past week on our kids' spring break, um, I, I read through a book that was recommended to me um, called Atomic Habits, 
Um, that was New York Times bestseller by James Clear. And James Clear became famous studying about and writing about the power of habits, the power of behavior and how that changes us and shapes us. And one of the things he says in this book, he says, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs. But as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. I love that every action we take is a vote for the type of per- person you wish to become. Colossians would frame it like this. Every action you take is a vote casted for the person who you already are. When we live giving glory to God through our actions, our behavior, our business, our relationships, the words that come out of our mouth, the movies we watch, the places that we go, how we spend our money, all all of these things are ways that we cast our vote. We tell the world, we remind ourselves that our behavior is formed by our belief in the resurrected Christ. We are now the people who have been raised up with Christ. And so if our beliefs shape our behaviors, then over time our behaviors will become our habits. And I think this is so crucial because oftentimes we put this emphasis on Easter like it's this decisive moment, and I get it, but if you look at Jesus' message, he very rarely is asking for a moment. He's very rarely asking just for an intellectual shift. He asks for for an apprenticeship. Notice in Matthew chapter 4, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. You see, the invitation of Jesus is not just to align with a belief system. It's to give our life. It's to follow him. And so when I talk about habits, I'm not just talking about pop psychology. I'm talking about our behavior should be so um, all-encompassing that they become habits. We should have the resurrection of Jesus Christ should change our beliefs, which changes our behavior. And those behaviors should become patterns and rhythms in our life that reinforce the reality of our beliefs. This is, by the way, this is all that we're about here at our church, is that we would become people who practice the way of Jesus. We have, we have three goals here as a church that we talk about often. And in order to practice the way of Jesus, there's three objectives that we have. It's to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. This is what it means to follow our rabbi, to follow Jesus as our instructor. Again, uh, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, says this, All big things come from small beginnings. The seed of every habit is a single tiny decision. But as that decision is repeated, a habit sprouts and grows stronger. Roots entrench themselves and branches grow. The task of breaking a bad habit is like uprooting a powerful oak within us. And the task of building up good habits is like cultivating a delicate flower one day at a time. Sadly, apart from the resurrection, we can begin to start enforcing and reinforcing beliefs and behaviors and habits that have nothing to do 
with the promise of a resurrected life, of life to the full. And I love how Clear in his books just talks about this is a process. It's a seed planted where roots begin to grow. And similarly, there are, there are patterns in many of our lives that have changed us. And those need to be uprooted. In the same way, we need to replace those with habits, patterns, rhythms that reinforce this new promise of resurrected life. In John Mark Homer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he talks about some of these spiritual disciplines, these patterns, these habits. But he talks about that this, this takes time. This isn't, this isn't a result of, I heard a sermon, I'm going to start behaving differently or even believing differently. This is a decision to start the process of that. He says this, start where you're at, not where you should be. If you can only do five minutes, great, start there and gently move forward. Beware of idealism, perfectionism, or overreaching. We grow through small incremental acts that in time become habits that eventually become character. This happens over years, not a day. And so I just want to encourage you today. How do we change as a result of the resurrection? Well, we began last week talking about our belief and that our belief should turn into behavior. And over time, by the leading and empowering of the Holy Spirit, that those behaviors will become patterns and habits in our life. So I just want to give you a few practical ones to consider. If you're like, well, what, what, what would that look like for me? And this is, again, this isn't for professional ministers. This is for every single one of us as followers of Jesus. So don't try and do all of these. Uh, maybe pick one and give five minutes of your day to one of these this week uh, because those patterns in our life, those habits in our life, they're reinforcing the, the core belief that we have. So maybe for some of us, it's, it's scripture reading or scripture memorization. It's, it's grabbing your Lectio Divina journal and setting an alarm on your phone and say, I'm just going gonna, gonna to spend, even if it's a couple minutes, I'm going to be, and, and again, make it, make it a pattern. It's like before I open up social media, before I open up my emails, I'm going to spend five minutes letting the Word of God form me or to, to memorize a psalm. Um, uh, another idea could be just prayer. Uh, both talking to God and listening to God, having conversation, building intimate relationship with Jesus. Maybe on your commute, turn off the radio or your podcast and just like, that's my time to connect with the Lord. And again, that's a behavior that can turn into a habit that reinforces our belief. Um, silence and solitude. Put, plan a, some time in your week. If you have small kids, Ask your spouse or a family member or a friend, could you watch them for an hour or two each week and just go take a walk on the beach and listen to worship music or don't listen to anything at all and just sit and enjoy the presence of God. Um, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's worship. Um, and most of us are listening to something during the week. Uh, what if you just change that out? Uh, and, and you go and you listen to just new worship music. There's tons of playlists on Spotify and Apple Music that kind of just feed you new songs that can stir your heart towards faith. Um, creativity. 
Um, just think about what are ways you can engage creatively to connect with God as your creator. Um, and lastly, I would encourage, these are all things you can do on your own, but gather around the Lord's table, whether it's at your open table, whether it's with, again, grabbing a, a roommate, a friend, um, break bread together, share that, that common cup together, and remember what Jesus has done for you. And, and make that a, a part of your normal life. And so, again, I would just encourage you. You've been raised with Christ. Not only did Jesus raise and he's alive, seated at the right hand of God, you've been brought into that inheritance. And so for us to just know that is not enough, that knowledge has to turn into behavior, which has to turn into spiritual practices and disciplines because that ultimately is what changes us. And so I just want to encourage you this week, start small, start doable. Notice that the Holy Spirit is, is powerful, but he's also gentle with us. He leads us well. And so don't lead yourself by shame and guilt and, and, and beating yourself up. Let him move you, change you. What is he speaking to you right now? That is something he's putting on your heart of something that you can begin to, to do differently, uniquely, to change the rhythms of your life that will reflect the wonder that we serve a God who is alive. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are, what you've done. Lord, thank you so much that the, the resurrection, Lord Jesus, is not something we just... Um, need to remember, God, it's something that we are to live out. And so, Lord, I pray you would help us do that, Lord God. I pray that you would help shape the rhythms of our day and our week around different opportunities, Lord Jesus, just to remember you. Help us to even to Sabbath, to set a, a day aside in the week, Lord Jesus, just to remember your goodness and to remember the goodness you've said about us. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.